Amy Hollowell, who benefits from your generosity? From the Hidden Lamp, stories of 25 centuries of awakened women. Please sit comfortably. The Zen teacher and poet, um, Roshi Amy Hollowell, was born and raised in Minneapolis, but came to France in 1981 to study literature and history and has lived in Paris ever since, raising her children and making her living as a journalist. Uh, Amy Hollowell teaches in the White Plum lineage, founded by Taizan Maizumi Roshi. From 1995 to 2001, she lived in the non-monastic Zen community, Dana Sangha. In 2004, Amy was recognised by Roshi Geno, um, with whom she had actually created in, Mon uh, in Montreux um, the Sangha, which is called uh, Idana Sangha. So uh, her teacher gave her transmission. Amy Hollowell then founded the Wild, Wildflower Zen Centre in Paris and teaches there as well as in Portugal. She is married and is the mother of two children and she lives in Montreux. It's a very different biography to, to usual. <laughs> uh, it's not only a very, very fine woman teacher, and this is very fine Khan who benefits from your generosity. Um, yeah, but she also lives in Paris and there's all, all of that kind of slightly exotic feeling of Paris um, when you live in, out on the Western River of Nowhere um, here, you know. So it's kind of wonderful to have her in the dojo. Uh, so who benefits from your generosity? To be clear, this isn't about making a list of the charities that you support. Uh, not at all though we surely hope that people will benefit from our donations. This isn't about having pride in one's virtue either. Um, whatever may surge into your breast when you, when you give generously. Um, this is um, not about you in particular. Uh, uh, when, you have pride, when we have pride in our own virtue, um, we have our own reward, but some things are probably better left unrewarded. The sense of giving as its own reward perhaps comes closest to the spirit of Amy Hollowell's uh, Khan. Uh, who benefits from your generosity? Uh, you are invited to go beyond uh, others, and you are invited to go beyond oneself here. This is why this is such a fine koan. Just to be alive and to live our lives is to be drowning in generosity. Um, well, I, I, the other night uh, when I left uh, Antoinette's place and went home, I was heading home to bed but there was something so fascinating on the radio I decided to uh, go for a late night drive while listening uh, to it. I have to confess that it was... Um, uh, I can't think of the name of the program. Um, Shapiro is the commentator. Pardon? 
late night live. And it was on the appointment of the judge, the new judge, to the High Court, and it was a legal analysis. It was totally riveting. Uh, it was enough to keep me out of bed, even though I was really tired. So I drove off into the night, and uh, I just kept driving and listening. I wasn't particularly aware of where I was. But uh, suddenly, uh, the car just stopped. All of the, uh, the lights went off, the <laughs> engine stopped. Uh, uh, even the radio program stopped, which was the most annoying. I could have bored with it, if, uh, but the radio wasn't working either. Oh, God, it's the alternator, you know? Um, and I'm out in the industrial wilds of Belmont, you know? There's no lights on the streets um, at all. And uh, it's the only light on the street is my flickers, you know, my thing uh, going on and off, my hazard signal. Um, but I managed, I won't go through the whole detail, because it's very convoluted, but I managed to get two people to give me a lift, uh, to borrow a mobile phone, because I didn't have my mobile phone. Rather, I had my mobile phone with me, but it was, to be honest, it was dead. Um, so I couldn't ring Antoinette, couldn't ring the RAC. Um, it was, and I started to walk home, you know, and it's a long, long walk, and it started to rain, <laughs> just, just gently. And, uh, but, you know, I hailed a car, like, in the darkness, and this guy just pulled up, you know? Um, the first guy I pulled up was, I think, a Pacific Islander, uh, probably a mechanic. He drove me back to my car. Then I managed to f uh, wave down someone else, and I think he was an Indian guy, and he's an IT guy by the, by the feeling and look at the situation. He lent me a mobile phone and helped me to push the car a, bit, a little bit off the the road because it was sticking out onto the road and then Nick came out the next morning brought some breakfast and we managed to with the help of three people who just guys who were just passing uh, to push the car this is like it takes a long time to get your car up onto the verge in this story uh, helped to push the car up onto the verge and then uh, Nick lent me the mobile and we contacted the RAC and they came out and I bought a battery because it wouldn't get home without a new battery and all of that Oh, and by the way, Antoinette came out and picked me up the, the previous night, you know, and she was not happy. <laughs> but I want to speak for the generosity of people <laughs> at night in the Belmont area, uh, semi-industrial area, uh, and for my partner and for Nick uh, for being so, so generous. So sometimes it feels like life is overflowing with generosity uh, in the most unexpected ways. Everyone's got stories. This is nothing new, I'm sure. So, you know, uh, we didn't ask to be born, we didn't have to. We didn't ask for our life, and we have that splendid mess entirely as a gift. The rise and fall of our breath, the circulation of our blood, the movement of our thought, the spontaneity of our desires, and how our heart connections form. Uh, each of these, in their way, are a gift. Uh, who gives it? Uh, who receives it? We give and receive moment by moment, uh, breathing in, uh, breathing out. Uh, we don't think about it and we don't need to think about it. But the atmosphere and our bodies are utterly uh, mutually dependent, codependent, and in a very real sense, uh, something closer than, even than that. Um, there is true generosity that plays through all of this. I want to introduce the Pang family, Laman Pang and uh, his wife and daughter. Um, son doesn't appear in this, these stories, but uh, he was also 
um, important. I think he supported the family after um, the father, the dad, had decided to sink all their possessions in, in a lake. Um, I often wonder what Mrs. Pang thought about that decision. Um, so thereafter they were selling baskets. Uh, he was a merchant. Um, so, I mean, yeah, but he thought that his wealth would contaminate others, so he sunk a whole lot, so the story goes. Um, but this is Mrs. Pang, and, uh, who figures beautifully in some of these stories. Uh, One day, laywoman Pang went into the Deer Gate Temple and made an offering of food. The temple priest asked her on whose regard she made the offering so that he could dedicate its merit. She took her comb and stuck it in the back of her hair. Dedication of merit is complete, she said, and walked out. She apparently very long hair. She just stuck her comb in the back of her hair. She said, dedication of merit is complete. Uh, uh, You know, cutting off um, any notion of uh, merit in future lives or whatever merit might have accumulated through past lives, uh, cutting off the need to note this in the temple records, uh, any of that stuff, just that single gesture, putting the comb in her hair, uh, cutting off all considerations of merit. And I want to read uh, Amy Hollowell's account of this. It's a wonderful book, The Hidden Lamp. If you don't have it already, uh, I do recommend it. So um, she writes, So here comes laywoman Pang, stopping by a temple to offer, f- to offer food. The priest inquires about the donation so he can make the traditional dedications of merit, which involves posting a record of the gift with the donor's name, the date, and the name of the person for whom the gift was made. Merit? Dedication? Laywoman Pang it seems, doesn't have the priest's views on the matter. Her entire life is an offering, and she therefore replies spontaneously, sharing with the priest her no view (laughs) of the situation. She doesn't discriminate when responding to the needs... Sorry, I'm having trouble reading. She doesn't discriminate when responding to the needs of all beings. Her gift to the temple is truly nothing special and she seeks not even a wink of recognition in return. Her action reflects the experience that she is not separate from others and that as Gertrude Stein might have said, a comb is a comb is a comb. As perfectly sacred as every single being and thing. The The key line here Her entire life is an offering, and therefore she replies spontaneously. Okay, it's not bound up with um, uh, ostentatious offerings of this or that. The entire of life is an offering for her. So here's the family, um, the, the Pang family. And the layman himself was sitting in his thatched cottage one day. Difficult, difficult, he said, 
like trying to scatter ten measures of sesame seed all over a tree. Easy, easy, Mrs. Pang said, like touching your feet to the ground when you get out of bed. <coughs> Neither difficult nor easy, uh, Ling Chao said. Uh, that's the Ling Chao, is the daughter here. On the hundred grass tips, the ancestors' meaning. This very beautiful calm. This. So what is this difficult, difficult? Um, the layman that says difficult, difficult, like trying to scatter ten measures of sesame street seed all over a tree. I asked a student recently, I was kind of curious about this, and she said, um, you know, it's like Dogen's thing about um, when the self advances to confirm the 10,000 things, uh, that is delusion. Um, you know, how can a single individual be all of that? If you think like that, that's very difficult. Um, there's the ancient image of... Um, the, when it goes the other way, it's like a, an elephant trying to copulate with a flea. But in this case, it's like a flea trying to copulate with an elephant. Um, yeah, difficult, difficult. <laughs> so this is, that was her explanation for why uh, he says difficult, difficult. Like trying to scatter ten measures of Sesame Street all over a tree. Easy, easy, Mrs. Pang said, sort of leaning on the other side she says, like touching your feet to the ground when you get out of bed. Isn't that beautiful? Um, so simple, so natural. No problem at all. And then the daughter says, Ling Chao, her name means spirit shining. And she says, neither difficult nor easy. Uh, going between the kind of Haunts of the dilemma of easy or difficult. Neither of those. On the 100 grass tips, the ancestors' meaning. Yeah, the meaning disappears into the fact itself. Here. What is the meaning of this? <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> The constabulary coming in and saying, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> uh, but you know that spirit. You know, what is, yeah, well, it disappears into the fact itself. It's, yeah, pale grey sky, trees moving, people sitting in the dojo, light coming in at different angles, lighting hair, uh, lighting arms, uh, lighting the wooden floor. What meaning? Just what is. Nothing to search for. One day the layman was selling bamboo baskets. Uh, coming down off a bridge he stumbled and fell. When his daughter saw this she ran to her father's side and threw herself down. What are you doing? said her father. I saw Dad fall to the ground, so I'm helping, said Ling Chao. <coughs> Luckily no one was looking, said the layman. Well, so what's going on here? 
saw Dad fall to the ground, so I'm helping. Very hard to find words for this. You know, it's that kind of generosity. Each of them is the vastness. Each is absolutely all-inclusive. And yet, um, she throws in her lot. He falls. Um, a world falls, if you will. Um, she falls. A world falls. It's, it's a utter generosity, utter empathy, um, and utterly unnecessary, but that doesn't matter at all. Um, yeah. It's sheerest play. Our life is for its own sake. What are we here for? Is there a purpose for us being here? When love and work are going well, we may feel as if that is what we are here for and we are inclined to say that our life has meaning. However, things cut deeper than meaning in life. We are not other than our life and not just our own life in its unfolding. We are not other than life itself and life and death in their full interplay are not other than each of us. Amy Hollowell, when she writes her name, she puts in French uh, the phrase in, in the middle of it, like a kind of nickname of some kind. Tu es cela. Uh, you are that, which is Upanishads. Yes. That's right, that's right. So you are that. So she uses this as part of her name when she signs her name. But it's also true that Salah et toi, right? That is you. Um, the, the you are that is a little bit like the self-advancing to confirm the 10,000 things. It's not necessarily that, but it, it, it is reminiscent of that kind of thing. But when it is that is you, the spirit is entirely different. It is not your agency. Um, it is completely and utterly given. Um, yeah. This is utter generosity. If you will, the, the universe comes forth as you. Both are true, but these days I learn, lean a lot more on cela et toi, that is you. Very important. So all you need to do is practice and go about your life, you know? In a way, it's that, that's, yeah, you just practice and it, and it reveals itself. Doesn't mean you have, don't have to work hard on your cushions, you do. But in a way, you allow, yeah, it's that allow, allow. You allow it to reveal itself. Listen. So we become generous for its own sake. Uh, this rather than playing the game in hope of a reward. When we act for its own sake, uh, live for its own sake, we find freedom and we find liberation. Yeah. This is also release from 
uh, the endlessly transactional, um, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, and if you scratch mine, yours, I'll, you know, and on and on and on, you know. Um, the Zen is not transactional, and the, the way lived is not transactional like that. I mean, you might have to do a bit of, um, what is it called? Uh, networking. Um, networking is probably important, but you know what I mean. It's so much of experience these days is utterly transactional, um, but it doesn't have to be. It's closely allied with this is not treating people as a means to an end. All of this hangs together. Um, each person is a world. Um, each person is a world in themselves. Uh, like it or not, each person you meet is uh, also your true nature, your deepest nature. Um, this intimacy was without fear or favour. Um, maybe they can't stand you. Uh, maybe you can't stand them. But the fact remains. So, right now, who, who are you? What are you? My friend Martin Seddon and I, um, we have this joke uh, about being retired um, to the park bench, we call it. Um, this, uh, this expression, retiring to the park bench, we've had around for years, you know. And uh, the purpose apparently of this retirement, which we never managed to accomplish, because he continues to make these great speakers called Azura horns, which are based on 1930s cinema uh, that were used in cinemas but he's got his own way of doing it. He produces these absolutely beautiful uh, speakers and you play music through them and you hear the music as if for the first time. Um, and it's the only way, it, most of my listening to music is done out at his place as, as a result because it's such a wonderful experience. Anyway, we talk about retiring to the park bench, but no, neither of us has any serious intention, I think, uh, to talk philosophy and to read Proust. Um, uh, he, he was reading Proust for Australia. He's read all seven volumes. I, I gave up right around halfway through volume four, but he's actually he's accomplished uh, reading uh, the seven volumes of A la Recherche du Temps which is wonderful. Anyway, he had a birthday recently, and on his way back to the car with his wife and family, they came across a homeless man begging. Martin said, <coughs> I thought to give him $5, but I offered him $50 instead and gave myself a happy birthday. So, beyond yourself and beyond others, who benefits from your generosity? <laughs>